Welcome back to the One Book One Northwestern podcast. I'm Baylor Spears, and we're continuing our conversation about the themes of this year's One Book, Hidden Figures by Margot Shetterly. In the last episode, I spoke to Harvard professor and author of The Privileged Poor, Dr. Anthony Jack. We spoke about the obstacles that low-income and first-generation students face when attending college. Today, we return to some of the work that Black women do in the science, technology, engineering, and math fields. As we've discussed, in the past it wasn't expected that black women worked in the STEM fields, let alone did the majority of America know that many women were critical in helping the U.S. win the space race. It's partly because of these past sentiments that black women and their work in STEM is often invisible throughout history. Telling the stories of these quote-unquote hidden figures, however, is important today because it gives both a new perspective on the stories we've always been told and provides new inspiration and role models to women entering STEM fields today. It's because of this gap that in this episode, I'll be highlighting the story and work of another hidden figure, Andrea Mosey, Senior Scientist Specialist in the Astromaterials Research and Exploration Science, or the ARES Department at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. She works with the Apollo lunar samples. Mosey, along with Ryan Ziegler, NASA's Apollo sample curator, recently visited Northwestern University to discuss the legacy of the Apollo samples and her career at NASA, which, believe it or not, actually began while she was in high school in Houston, Texas. I started there when I was in the 10th grade. There was a vocational office education program and with that particular program, you become secretary. My teachers thought that I was typing pretty good, I guess, back in those days. I did. So she put me in this program, and I ended up working in Building 4, which was astronaut building. She said there was a lot of excitement being involved with the space program and in getting to see astronauts around the property. Mosey explains she always loved the sciences, and part of that love comes from being what she called a copycat sister. My sister was in love with the sciences, and so everything that she did, I did. She majored in chemistry and math. She went to Houston Tillerson. She graduated and started working at NASA, and that's how I actually took the job at NASA. Following the secretary program and graduating high school, Mosey, like her sister, went to Houston Tillotson University, a historically black university in Austin, Texas. She graduated in 1975 with a degree in chemistry and math. After graduating, she had job opportunities from a number of places, including J. Dow Chemical Company and NASA. The reason I took the NASA job, you had to have a science background. I didn't have any geology, but it just had to be a science background, so I had that requirement. But I did not have a car. So I had a sister and a brother-in-law that worked at NASA. So I figured I could get to work every day because I could catch a ride. (laughs) While Mosey said she started working at NASA mostly because she could catch a ride, she stayed because she found out it was the perfect job for her. She said working in a clean lab went together well with her tendencies to want things just right. When I first started working there, I realized that because it was such a neat place and it was so clean and it was like, okay. And she said once she realized how much she loved the job, that everything she did was for the lab. I'm not going to try to do something that I just want to do because that's what I want to do. If it's not for the betterment of our lab or something like that, it's like that's where my heart is. So I'm a moon person. 
Today, as the Senior Scientist Specialist, Mosey works with Moonrock samples, pulling samples when requested and making sure every single procedure is followed. Before Mosey can do her job, however, the requests go through the Apollo curator, Ryan Ziegler. My main job as the curator is to keep the sample safe for future investigators to use while maximizing the science we get out of it now. So scientists will propose a, a study, and it's my job to review that and decide if it's meritorious. And if it is, then figure out how much sample to give them and then give them some samples. The last step, giving scientists samples, may not seem like a big deal, but it can actually be very tedious and requires following a thorough process. Ziegler said most of the reason their lab functions smoothly is because of Mosey. I mean, Andrea is what keeps the lab running. She's the one who's organized enough to keep everything together and running smoothly. So I might review the science, but she does all the real work in the lab, she and the other processors. So it's been a real privilege to work with Andrea over the years. In order to give scientists some samples, the data pack history must first be checked. What are data pack histories, you may ask? Everything is documented. We have what we call data packs and all, every history, everything you do, transfer this sample from this cabinet to another cabinet. You write that down and two people sign. It seems like a tedious process and it is. The data pack history is used to determine exactly what samples they have and whether they can then be allocated. If we have a sample that's broken up into 500 pieces, you should be able to look at the history of the sample and find out where any piece of that rock actually came for and how it would fit back together. Because we have scientists that need to know exactly how they were sitting on the moon for their particular uh, investigation. After everything is approved, a CO or curatorial order is prepared. The CO details what has to be done to get and transfer the sample. This then has to be signed off by the curator, Ziegler, then samples can be pulled. Once we pull samples, there's a sealed tray, and the seal is on the tray because that tray has possibly a hundred or more samples. And we don't want to have to inventory that tray every time. So we keep a seal on there, we break it in the presence of the curator. She explained that if the seal is broken without the curator, then a hundred plus samples have to be inventoried again. Once the sample is finally out of the sealed tray and ready to be cut apart, it seems that cutting the sample could go one of two ways. If you pull out a very small sample and maybe it's like, oh, I just need half of that, you can just take dikes and snip it, then you still got to give them different samples. Number you have to take pictures of them, bag them up, and you have to do all your paperwork and stuff and get it ready to be transferred. Pretty simple, right? Well, it could also be a little more tedious than the process already is. Let's say, for example, that you have a larger sample with a very specific piece to remove. You think you're going to break it right here, and then it breaks here and falls apart. <laughs> Different story. So if you thought you were going to make one break and have two pieces, and you made one break, and now you have 15 pieces. <laughs> You're actually going to have to give a number to each one of those pieces and take pictures of them and figure out if you could put it back together, where the, how it would fit back together. So it could be really fast. So some samples we call quick allocations, and then some samples are not quick at all. Mosey said her work with moon rocks is important, especially now since the U.S. has still not been back to the moon since 1972. I would have thought 
by now we would have gone back to the moon and brought samples back. Fifty years later, from 1969 to 1972, who would have thought that we have not gone back to bring additional samples back? But I do understand there are reasons behind everything. But I just feel that space exploration is very important. Uh, there are a lot of things that we've found out about Earth because we went to the moon and brought samples back. It's clear from the way that Mosey discussed her career that she really values the work she's done for the last 40-plus years. Moon rocks are special, very special, and I mean, I feel the same way about it that I felt when I started, or maybe it had even grown to a more, more depth because I've been working with them so long, but it's what I do, and it's what I love to do. Mosey, who recently turned 67, said while her co-workers protest the idea of her retirement, people continue to ask her when she plans to retire. Mosey, however, says she wants to leave when she's ready. People say, you need to retire so you could travel and do this. I travel. You need to retire so you could do this. I do that. I do everything that I want to do, and I'm still doing what I enjoy doing as a career. So I'll continue it until I feel like it's time to leave. That's all for this episode of the One Book One Northwestern podcast. Thank you to my editorial advisor, Dr. Ava Thompson-Greenwell, and be on the lookout for the next episode, where we'll be talking about Tarana Burt, the founder of the Me Too movement.